Bienvenidos a Estoy Aquí. We are your hosts, Catherine Castro and Catherine Borgen. The bigger thing with the men's issues is men's mental health and suicide, and that's something that's not talked about enough relative to the impact it has. By that I mean with suicides, for example, three out of four suicide victims are men. How are we as a society not talking about this enough? Wait, say what? Also so crazy to me is that this statistic holds true globally. Around the world, women are more likely to be diagnosed with depression and more likely to attempt suicide. But the male suicide rate is actually three times higher than for females. Honestly, after talking to Nick, I started asking a whole bunch of questions. Why are men overwhelmingly more likely to kill themselves? to be killed by others. That's a good point. And why do men struggle to seek out help? And why do they die younger? The truth is we still live in a society where men dominate positions of power, but we can't deny the fact that there are several health and societal issues that disproportionately affect men. Suicides, workplace deaths, homelessness, just to name a few. But let's just speak about the facts for just a second. Women have been excluded from the economic, social, and cultural dimensions of life since the beginning of time. We still fight for our rights today. But I'm starting to believe that as a society, we need to step back and completely reevaluate what we mean when we push for true gender equality. There is no doubt that men are privileged. They are. But they also have their own internal struggles. They do live less than women. They commit suicide at higher rates. What's going on? Nick, thanks so much for coming over today. I really appreciate you coming on such a beautiful Saturday. I'd love to hear more about you. As you know, I am... I've been working in international relations uh, for about five years now or so. But also, in addition to that, I've been streaming on Twitch for the past four years. And quite recently, starting in 2018, been getting involved in charity streaming. So raising money for various charities like St. Jude, One More Light, did a veterans charity in November 2017. And just raising that money while you know, playing video games and streaming on Twitch.tv. How did you kind of move into doing Twitch? I got into Twitch and well, YouTube and then Twitch towards the tail end of being in my undergrad. And you know, that just came from you know me being a huge nerd, being into video games. As I moved to DC and started getting more set up with regards to technology, you know, getting a computer and things like that, I was able to stream on my own. I just really enjoyed the idea of doing it because, you know, it was a way, I already played video games to relax, but the idea of entertaining people and just, you know, talking to people while I'm doing that was really interesting. And that just kind of evolved into seeing people doing charity streams and realizing I could make an impact while, you know, doing something I do normally anyway. Being able to help raise money for these important causes was really appealing when I was already streaming and already playing video games. So I just figured why not use humor, motivating person personality to help to get people to donate money to ending childhood cancer with St. Jude. How did you exactly get into the Movember Foundation or topics around men's issues? So I got into Movember. There was a stream team that I used to be on called Team Sin Squad, which disbanded earlier this year. In the Discord chat server we had, there was an industry channel. And in that chat server, or in that channel rather, we had this one streamer, Shannon Nina, on Twitter and Twitch. She came in and said, hey guys, I'm the representative for streamers doing Movember Live. And it, much like St. Jude Play Live, which is a charity event in May to raise money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, Movember Live is raising money for the Movember Foundation in the month of November, you know, mm -hmm. coinciding with Movember. So she posted that and I had just finished doing St. Jude stuff and figured, yeah, why not? You know, it's a very important event. As a guy, that's important to me. Knock on wood, I don't get prostate or testicular cancer, but it could happen. And I would like to know that people, you know, men like me who might be at risk of those things have some sort of 
fundraiser or charitable income coming in that can lead to the research for better treatment and hopefully one day a cure for those illnesses. And then also it touches on, it focuses on three things, uh, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and men's mental health and suicide prevention. And that third one especially is something that's not talked about enough. Seeing the opportunity to fundraise for that was just something I really wanted to do. Can you kind of explain what men's issues are and what they're not? The thing that I always kind of get a kick out of is when on Twitter it's Men's Rights Day or whatever it's called, I can't remember the exact name, there's always a hashtag that comes up. It happens on one day every year. I think it leads up to Father's Day. It's always funny because you see a lot of people react like, we don't need to raise men's awareness. Well, yeah, the gender pay gap and all that stuff does exist. Men, we make more statistically on average than women, but there's a lot of things that we don't think of as a society that target men, some which are obvious like prostate cancer and testicular cancer. Only men can get those because we're the only ones that have those. There are certain other things that we don't think of. Breast cancer, a lot of men don't think about the risk of breast cancer because, oh, we don't have visibly obvious breasts, therefore we can't get that. We can't. Same thing with anal cancer, specifically with the LGBT community. That's something that's not talked about enough that should be. But then the bigger thing with the men's issues that exist is men's mental health and suicide. And that's something that's not talked about enough relative to the impact it has. By that, I mean with suicides, for example, three out of four suicide victims are men. When I found that out when I did Movember fundraising, that shocked me. I had no idea it was that slanted in one direction. When we have that men's health day on Twitter or whatever, that's what people are referring to. That's what people are talking about. What are not men's issues? The whole idea of the men's right activist. It's stupid. <laughs> to put it bluntly, like we have the deck stacked in our favor in a lot of ways, thinking that, oh, ex-director is a woman. This is an assault on men. Or there are 10 characters in this movie. One of them is a woman. It's an assault on men. There are two female characters. Oh, it's male genocide, that whole meme. That's not true. That's not a men's issue. That's an idiotic talking point meant to slant the conversation away from meaningful impact. What are men's issues? Are, you know, things that, that are health issues that affect men, either knowingly or unknowingly, and things in that we should fix in society to allow men to not have to face certain stigmas that exist that people might not think of. What kinds of stigmas do you feel or have you seen men face in society? Well, the biggest one is the whole boys don't cry attitude. And it's basically that that touches into the third thing of Movember, men's mental health and suicide prevention. As a guy growing up in the 90s and the early 2000s, we don't have the impetus to talk about our feelings as guys that I feel is encouraged now. And that's great. I'm glad to see that that's there. Growing up, it's always, you're stressed out about something, be a man. Nut up is a you know, famous phrase. Grow a pair. All those terms, literally all they do is they're like, okay, we have a stress from something. Don't complain about it. And you got to vent about that. I mean, it's like a pressure cooker. You have to release the pressure. Otherwise that pressure cooker blows up. That is one of those issues that men face in society. That stigma there that we have to be tough as men, that we have to be silent, that we have to always be strong. Go have a cry. It's okay to be sad and be openly sad about it because if you don't, I mean, you will snap. Not in a violent way necessarily, but you'd have a breakdown and it could get worse. I mean, it can lead to alcoholism drug abuse, you know, all these different things because you don't have a way to cope with it. The sooner society gets rid of that stigma of men having to be strong and silent, the sooner you'll see a, just an equal approach towards both genders. Generally speaking, I think we can agree that societal and cultural norms set the expectations of how both men and women should behave. I think men generally deal with more shame when it comes to living up to quote-unquote being a man, which usually equates to not showing too much emotion, not being vulnerable, acting tough, being resilient, and never showing any weakness. It's a rock and a hard place. They're caught between the conflicting expectations placed on them by society. It's a catch-22. They're criticized for not letting down their guard, and in other ways, they're criticized for expressing their feelings of vulnerabilities. Mm. They don't have a lot of space to explore the fluid emotional world. I mean, I think in today's society, we're slowly transitioning from a gender 
gender polarized one to one that has women and men, girls and boys, sharing and exchanging roles in unprecedented ways. Just a few decades ago, a man's admission of sympathy or compassion was more likely to be met with ridicule and social disapproval. Whereas today, many men are quite at ease sharing parts of themselves that may have been discouraged in their father's time. It's not so much like a mental health issue as it is more just like a mental coping issue, a mental stress issue. Why are so many of these shooters men? Maybe because that we're putting men under so much stress or maybe not even putting them under so much stress, denying them the stress relief that we assume that women will always do. Like, I mean, the whole idea that, oh, women are too emotional. Well, we don't allow men to be emotional. Maybe if we allowed a guy to like cry about his problems or just talk to someone about his problems. I mean, he doesn't even have to cry. I'm stressed out of sounding at work. I can talk to my friends about it and feel fine. Someone's bullied at school and they try to tell their dad, their dad's like, nut up son, face it like a man. You can't knuckle under and just grit your teeth at everything. Sometimes you do have to stumble a little bit. We need to encourage more people to be there to pick the person back up when they stumble. And if we do that, that will relieve some of the male anger that we have in society. It won't relieve all of it, but it'll at least allow, you know, to go back to the pressure cooker analogy, it will at least allow some venting of that steam. Going back to the idea that men need to be tough and the fact that men don't acknowledge they have a problem, I read an article recently that hit me pretty hard. When it comes to things like miscarriages, women have tons of resources to cope. What's far less known and said about miscarriage is that men grapple with the emotional fallout of miscarriages largely on their own. This still tends to be considered strictly a woman's topic by a lot of people, including mental health professionals. There's a perception that miscarriage, pregnancy, infertility, all of it are primarily women's issues, not men. Yep, but this affects men too. Men just have lots of different kinds of reactions and they are deeply affected by these sorts of things. Just different ways of demonstrating grief. A man's common reaction to a miscarriage is a profound sense of guilt. They often feel guilty because of the fact they're struggling. They have anxiety and depression, but don't feel entitled to it because they're not the ones who went through the miscarriage and feel like they need to be the strong ones for their partners. With virtually no research on how men process miscarriage, mental health experts have to rely on anecdotal experiences to understand the issue. And while it's inaccurate to speak in generalizations about gender and mental health, experts say they recognize certain common patterns in how many men respond to miscarriage. The challenge is also that men who are really struggling after a miscarriage, or just really struggling with other emotional woes in general, often fail to get help. This is in part because they do not necessarily present their grief in a way that other people can recognize. Male depression is often often misdiagnosed or undiagnosed because men show different signs and coping mechanisms for depression and other mental health issues. Allowing men to be emotional, allowing men to vent about things, allowing them to de-stress about things. That's what happens, is that you come out as a well-adjusted person. You don't become violent. I mean, if you look at the way a lot of people, a lot of men react when they do react violently, there's a stress there that they don't feel like they can let out, whether it's, you know, they think they'll be viewed as weak because society told them they can't do that because they think, oh, as a man, I have to just knuckle through it. You don't have to. Perseverance is one thing, obstinance is another, and they're not the same thing. And you know, you can be perseverant and vent about when you're upset about something or when something has you stressed out, and doing so will make things easier. And that's the solution that we need to approach with. You know, if we do that, then it won't be three out of four suicide victims are men. Is that added approach that is something that we need to face more? Is it just like providing the support mechanism for guys to increase men's mental health? <laughs> 
there's so many gender gaps that we have in society with men in terms of their mental health and other areas of their lives. Do you think this is something that needs to be addressed? How do we make it so that way the vast amount of using vast and mental health resources in America, that's a whole other controversy. So again, that goes back to the whole thing of acknowledging the problem. You know, we, we say that men don't have as much access to mental health resources as women do in this country. Well, first of all, in general, we need to increase the mental health resources in this country. We are critically underfunded in that regard. Politicians should be pushing for that, should be having that discussion about better mental health care instead of the whole idea of demonizing people, mental illness when it comes to like guns, for example. Statistically, that there's no correlation there. Obviously, someone who shoots up X place is not mentally well. You gotta have some kind of mental dissonance to be able to do that. That's not necessarily what people are talking about, especially in our generation, depression, anxiety is huge. I remember a couple years ago, why are all my friends around me so depressed? Why do I feel like I'm the only one that's not? Just that statement alone is something that we need to reckon with as a country and just as a global society. There are definitely things that we need to equalize in terms of how we approach things. One of the things that we need to do is just get rid of this whole idea. We don't want to admit that we're wrong about something or we don't want to admit that we're not good enough or like that we're not doing as well as we want to be. At least when it comes to mental health, we'll start giving it more resources. Speaking of resources, there's a huge national health paradox in the United States. Men have way worse health outcomes than women, but there are no national offices that exist for promoting men's health. It's widely thought that two factors contribute to this paradox. One being the underappreciation for the number of health issues that affect men opposed to women. And the second is the lack of awareness that men's health receives compared to women's health. This is honestly quite perplexing. Men suffer from more accidental injuries and death. They suffer more from cardiovascular diseases, most types of cancer, and so many other health and health-related issues. There was a study that looked into how many times the word men's health was published between the year 1970 and 2018 in a public research website, which makes up over 48 years. The term was used 1,555 times, whereas women's health was used 14,501 times. What's crazier is that in 2018, the term men's health was used 199 times, but the term women's health had already exceeded 200 uses in a single year by 1993. There are also four national health agencies with an office focused on women's health, but zero for men. Think about the current academic climate focused on health disparities and health inequalities. It's just so crazy to me that men's health has not garnered more attention. It seems at least in general terms, that discussions on gender equity and health tend to focus almost exclusively on women. Let me drop some facts right now. Did y'all know that 65% of individuals living with limb amputations are male? Did you know that males are four times as likely as females to have autism spectrum disorder? And the prevalence of antisocial personality disorder is 5.5% in males opposed to 1.9% in females. And 12 times as many males than females die from an occupational injury. It's really on men to start advocating for themselves. Like women have done it since the beginning of time. 
we were out in the streets, we're out in the streets protesting, mm-hmm. we're building coalitions, we're campaigning, we're knocking door to door, we're building grassroots movements, we're marching the streets. Men need to do the same, it sounds like. So yes and no. Yes, again, men need to start admitting we're wrong about this. You know, we need to start admitting that we're at fault with certain things or that we're not doing things well enough in certain regards. That's step one. But the other thing is that the whole idea that men need to start doing grassroots organizing for this or we need to start doing this thing or X thing, that is, I think, the, a general problem with society and it extends past men's issues or gender issues, period. It kind of reminds me a lot of the whole thing of, oh, well, X terrorist attack was done by Muslims. The Muslim diaspora in America needs to come out and condemn that. Why? Like, why do they have to? Why are they at fault? What it is is society needs to stop being like, okay, this group has a problem. Only this group can fix it. We need to come together. Like, that's a mm-hmm. bigger thing is that our bigger issue as society is that we always segregate things into, oh, this is a women's issue. This is a men's issue. This is a person of color issue. This is an LGBT issue. And yes, those are issues that affect that certain subsect. But that doesn't mean just because they're the ones that are affected by it, that they're the only ones that should handle it. I agree with Nick's thought that we need to help each other. We push each other forward, right? That's the human thing to do. However, since the dawn of time, people have been advocating for themselves. The women's right movement, segregation, people in general, right? These groups of people have been pushing and advocating for themselves in ways that no one else will do because nobody's in their shoes. So it's up to these groups of people, men, to push forward, to push that agenda, to make sure that these ideas, these thoughts, these issues are voiced that they're heard, they become allies with others. I agree with Nick that the responsibility to raise awareness and support men on these issues is first and foremost men, but it's also upon all of us. But at the same time, I can't help but think about the African-Americans who struggled for social justice during the civil rights movement, who marched, who risked their lives, the women who fought for their suffrage dating back to the 1770s when the women's suffrage movement started, the Muslim women in France recently who protested the Burkini ban, the Native Americans who fought against the Dakota pipeline, the Latinos who continuously fight against xenophobia. The list goes on and on and on. These groups took the initiative to get out there. I think it also comes down to Nick's point, though. Perhaps men do need to truly first recognize and accept the fact that there's a problem and then take the action. You're right. At the end of the day, our groups need the support of other groups, but I can't say none of these movements would or wouldn't have been successful without allies. There are issues that affect Latin men more or solely than say those that affect white men. That doesn't mean white men can't help out with those issues. We can be there to assist them, but those are issues that that once fixed would be fixed uh, strictly for the Latino community. What can we say about men's issues from an intersectional lens for Latinx men? Girl, that's a whole nother episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't we make it one? Dude, let's do it. I think it's important we continue covering this issue from an intersectional standpoint and generally just continue covering men's issues. Absolutely. We only touched the tip of the iceberg today. I mean, I also want to state a few clarifying things for on behalf of both of us. We're not experts on men's issues. We are simply shedding the light to what they are and their existence in different ways. We believe in equality of all genders. And last but not least, we believe that genders exist outside of the male and female construct. But for the purpose of this episode, we discussed issues as they relate to men, and we didn't really look at things through an intersectional lens, though we know that this is an area we need to uncover. The bigger issue is, as we learned today, there's barely, and I have to reiterate, there is 
barely any coverage of men's issues to begin with. We need to dig deeper so we can find out what's happening to everyday people on the ground. Mm-hmm. I honestly think my bigger takeaway from all of this is that our cognitive structure is so that we only ask questions about women, which I 100% understand. We've been oppressed by institutional structures built by men who built masculinity constructs to hold positions of power, making femininity the subordinate construct. If we truly, as a society, I think personally, want to move towards gender equality and gender parity, we need to ask ourselves, what is going on with men? Why is there such a disparity in mental and physical health in our society? And what do we need to do to address these things? Why do we hear over and over again in the Catholic Church and local communities around the world of the sexual abuse of children, the raping of women? What is going on with men? What is the role of our societal institutions that enable these things to happen? What's the role of religion, race, ethnicity, culture? Are there any connections? I think that once we dig deeper into these bigger questions, we can talk about how to make things different and how to change the socialization of boys, change the socialization of what men are. But if we're only focused on women, we're not going to get to that place of understanding. Honestly, just talk to each other. Be there for each other. I mean, the whole colloquial line, which was always really stupid to me, the whole idea of bros before hoes, that always was said in just a really stupid, mocking way. What if your male friends were there for each other? What if that line was actually taken seriously? Not to be like, oh, I'm gonna be with my male buds instead of my women buds. I'm just gonna be there for my male friends. I'm gonna be there for when my friend, he knows he can talk to me. That's what more of us should do. That's the biggest advice I have is that be there for your male friends. We're all stressed out as a general society. Because of the stigma that women are the ones that should be emotional and men cannot be emotional at all, men don't talk about their issues. That's just building up a lot of pressure and building up a lot of steam. And if you don't release that, they're either gonna have a breakdown, they're gonna turn to substance abuse, or God forbid, you know, you have someone who gets bullied too much, God forbid they might shoot up somewhere. We need to talk more about our issues as men. We need to be there as men for other men, just so that way we can support each other and get rid of these problems that are facing us. This is episode one of season motherfucking two. Say it word, say it louder for the people in the back. Word. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. We appreciate you so much. Yes, thank you for listening. And we hope to continue giving you some substantial content. And please rate us and provide us any feedback. Follow us on Instagram at Istoyaki Podcast. We're also on Twitter at Istoyaki Pod. And on Facebook at Estoyaki Podcast. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Bex Carlos, our new producer. Hi, Edgar, you're the best. Mm, mm, mm.